Are you looking to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? Fortunately, there's an easy solution from the podcast sponsor, Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians. I've made it easy to check out Medici with a link in the show notes, or you can head over to their website, medici.md, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app. Send or receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid, which is always a wonderful thing, for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Ready to go virtual? Visit Medici.md, that's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. And with that, here's the show. Dan and I are going to cover a topic that was actually left from a review on Apple Podcasts, which I am greatly appreciative. So is Dan with a suggestion of a couple topics that someone wanted to hear. Again, if you have any topics, reach out to us and that's kind of in the closing. We'll share ways to do that. But the idea was, can you talk more about health insurance? And so with that, health insurance 101, I'm going to kick it over to Dan. He'll run through a couple things that hopefully will set the stage for a topic that while it may not be super exciting, is really, really important. Awesome. Yeah. Good to be back, Isaiah. Yeah, this is a popular topic. I'm sure the question came sometime in November, early December, when most of us were having to figure out health insurance uh, for ourselves and our families. Real quick before we get into it, I just want to talk through the kind of the basics. So uh, we're going to refer to if probably some words that you know you've heard a bunch but you may not necessarily know the exact name or definition or what they mean so premiums health insurance premiums so those are what you're just paying every month essentially the cost just think like your car insurance uh deductible so that's what you have to pay before the insurance company is going to start covering any services so a lot of times you'll the lower your deductible that means maybe you only have to pay up to maybe 300 bucks or a thousand bucks and then anything beyond that the insurance company is going to pay for conversely there's other plans where you may have to pay thousands of dollars maybe up to if you have a family up to maybe ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars before the insurance company is going to pay for the majority of the care a copay you'll hear that a lot uh, that's one that gets thrown around and that one's probably the most vague because it just really depends on the plan that you're on. That's that 10 to $40 check you usually have to pay when you go to the doctor's office, depending on what you were there for, whether it was a physical or maybe you got the flu. Coinsurance, so that's going to kick in after you've hit your deductible, and so that's how much the insurance company is going to pay in addition to what maybe something that you're going to have to cover. So it's kind of a they're going to cover part, you're going to cover part. And then the, the most important thing, especially with, when you're talking about insurance versus non-traditional uh, insurance that we'll talk about a little bit later, is these out-of-pocket expenses or out-of-pocket max. And that is the absolute most the insurance company will require you to pay before they're going to pay for everything else beyond that. A lot of times that's somewhere in the seven dollars to $20,000 range, depending on what kind of plan you have. But the idea is that you're going to pay up to a certain point and then you're going to be free and clear as long as that's whatever procedure you're getting is covered by your uh, insurance company. So any questions on those, always just reference that. Also very easy to find on the internet. But uh, Isaiah, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so just thinking about 
more of the options for, for veterinarians and AVMA used to have health insurance and it went away in 2013 and it actually just came back last July to a number of different states in the states that it currently, as of the recording in January of, of 2020, is Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, Michigan, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia, Wisconsin. So those are the only states that AVMA Life is offering this health insurance, which it is a association health plan and I have to, to meet a couple different criteria. Licensed veterinarian at a practice and must be an active AVMA member. Obviously with AVMA offering it, you have to be an AVMA, AVMA member. You must work between, you must have between two and 50 employees, including yourself who work 30 hours or more per week. There is not a ton of information on exactly what's offered. One of the things that is requested by AVMA is if you're in a state that does not have the coverage today, they need support with your federal and state lawmakers. So, you know, be active in your local organizations to push more. But if you go to AVMA Trust ahp.com which we'll link in the show notes you can request a quote if you're in those specific states and it will then help you to look at and understand versus some of the other options which we're going to touch on here in a second whether it's you know what's offered through your spouse if you're married health sharing agreements which are not health care but health share agreements those can be beneficial uh, i know a number of different people that use it we'll touch on that in a second or going out into the marketplace which is something dan has some really good experience that we'll cover at the end. But I just wanted to give high level, AVMA does have insurance back if you're an active AVMA member and you're in those key states and uh, meet some of the criteria. These are these are usually really good solutions for those smaller practices, really of any business. But if you have a business with one to three, one to 10 employees, it's always very hard to get cost-efficient insurance for you and your employees without just saying, hey, go on the marketplace and we'll throw you a couple hundred bucks occasionally to pay for it. So anytime you can get insurance through a professional group like AVMA, maybe through a, a state, sometimes state chapters will have it, other membership groups, always look for options like this if you don't automatically have that coverage through your employer, if you're not the owner of the business. So yeah, sage advice. Uh, do you want to touch a little bit, Dan, on looking at the the health insurance that you and Kelsey, you know, going through that process? What you selected, kind of why? Just overall high level example. Yeah, so we have kind of the I guess flexibility that not everyone has at the moment because we don't have children. So it was a little bit easier decision for us because it was kind of just, hey, do you have coverage at your employer? Each of us check the box we do both have coverage and do you have the type of policies that we wanted so i know we were going to kind of talk through a bit just on kind of what's offered but in terms of the types of plans but yeah kelsey and i both were able to get it through work uh, she works for a corporate uh, vet office and so obviously they have uh, multiple options multiple plans they actually do pay for for a good portion of it so the out-of-pocket cost in terms of the premiums is next to nothing for hers. On mine, just being in a small financial planning firm, we opted, I'm on a high deductible plan, again, because I'm, I'm young, I don't have kids, I, I don't really have you know, anyone else necessarily that I have to be thinking about for medical expenses besides me on my plan, and obviously my wife has her own plan. 
So pretty easy decision on our part, but I know that gets a little bit different when you start to have kids or maybe you own your own business and it's just you and you don't have access to something like AVMA. But Isaiah, what have what has your experience been? Yeah, so I am absolutely in the, the latter category you talked about. So I started my business in 2018. Do not have health insurance through that because it's very expensive, like we talked about. You know, if you're not with an association and I know that the Financial Planning Association is offering some different things similar to the AVMA, but I don't have the staff to meet some of the criteria. Uh, my wife is a school teacher uh, here in Indiana, and so she has good benefits from that standpoint. So very blessed and fortunate to be able to just jump on her plan. Since it's not offered, I don't have it. We were able to do that. And we had traditionally been on a, a PPO plan, and PPO just basically preferred provider organization or the way that I would describe PPO is you're gonna have a higher premium of what you're gonna pay you know, every paycheck or, or however that's done. And it's gonna be more predictable as far as the, the costs associated with it. But it could be you know, a higher total expense, depending. And also if you are super healthy and don't have any issues, you're gonna be paying for something and maybe not use it. So when we looked at the plan summaries and the different things that came out, she was a little different because it starts uh, in unison with the, the school year. We looked at the, the PPO plan and the high deductible health plan, which is similar to what you have, Dan, from a, a high deductible plan with an HSA. And what we decided to go with for the first time, even though I told my wife for multiple years, hey, when you get this, let me know. She always would just check the box, same as last year, which is not always the way you should do it. You should try to review it and look through it because sometimes there are big changes. Uh, we moved from a PPO plan to a HSA. And just to give you some numbers around it, just to throw them out there. So and the PPO plan, for go for it. For our listeners, when you say HSA, what are you referring to? Health savings account. There's so a lot of acronyms in this health insurance it, world. So <laughs> There is, and it is super confusing. So the high deductible plan, basically what the insurance company wants you to do is you pay for most of the care up to a point. So that's why it's high deductible. So you're going to pay, you, your family are going to pay for care, and then you're going to hit a max limit where they'll take over from there where the PPO plan is you're gonna be paying a higher premium and then you kind of split costs over time. And then those splits depend on which plan you choose. And, and again, we're gonna talk. Yeah, sometimes yeah, people but, call them uh, catastrophic plans because really it's there for the car accidents, the big surgeries, kind of the, the big stuff. So if we look at, so the PPO plan, and we do have a, a son, he was born last year. So we do have the family dynamic as well. So we looked at the, the PPO plan and it was gonna be in premiums about $6,500 a year plus it was a, a max of an additional 6,000. And there's all kinds of different, you know, you pay X amount after a deductible, ER is, you know, $200 copay, urgent care is a $50 copay. And again, with a, a young child, we do go to the doctor quite a bit with him getting checkups and different things. We also then looked at the, the high deductible plan with the HSA. And the one that we chose had a premium that was gonna be about $1,700 a year with the max out of pocket, so again, the, the maximum that we would have to cover before insurance really kicks in was $10,000. So if we look at that and zoom out just real quick, the PPO plan was gonna cost about 12,500 if you, you maxed everything out, right? And the HSA would be around 11,700. Now, not to delve into a completely different topic, but with the HSA and my wife and I being fairly healthy, most of the costs that we're going to be covering would be from our son's visits. And if we didn't utilize all of you know, the benefits of that health insurance in the PPO plan, we're still going to pay $6,500. And 
and with the HSA, we're able to lower what we're, you know, forced basically to pay for health insurance. And then we can do as much as we can from a pre preventative side to lower our total costs. And the nice thing is the money that we're saving into her health savings account, which goes along with the high deductible plan, if we don't use it, it rolls over to the next year and it can compound and grow. And I will link to an article that I uh, wrote on the, the blog just talking about how an HSA can also be a really nice savings tool and you can cover healthcare costs out of pocket, reimburse yourself down the road. Not something I wanna get into on this conversation, but I'll link to it. And that is something that we're kind of kind of doing that. It depends on how much the, the medical bill is. We, we save some and then there's bigger ones. We're like, oh, we'll dip into the HSA. But at a high level, that was kind of what we went through and, and looked at. The nice thing with the HSA, it's a little cleaner to know exactly what your costs are gonna be. Whereas the PPO plans can get really confusing with percentages of deductibles and this medication. And it just, it, it is super confusing. I will tell you, it's absolutely a mess as far as going through this stuff and trying to figure out what you're actually gonna have to pay. Yeah. And on the, the HSA, uh, conversation, I mean, obviously we can go on with that for forever, but even if you don't take advantage of it as kind of a long-term savings vehicle, at the very least, if you, if you're a high income professional or your you know, you and your spouse together, uh, have pretty high household income, it still can be a really good tool to get an annual tax break and put money into it. You get a tax break and then you can immediately pull it right back out to reimburse yourself or pay directly to the healthcare provider. So even if you're not you know, saving for the future, it's still potentially a good option. And essentially saying, hey, instead of paying a really big premiums every month for that lower deductible plan, I may just go with that high deductible plan knowing that I'm just gonna take that money out anyways. But yeah, it's, uh, it's one acronym after another and one caveat after another there. Uh, one thing I learned uh, this past uh, open enrollment season was when working with clients, uh, it's not as applicable where I live in the Raleigh Durham triangle area because most of our hospitals are university based. So it's, you know, Duke, UNC, there's some really big, uh, really well funded hospitals, which is not common around the country. Um, and so that means there's a much more limited private practice, uh, physicians around. So your healthcare choices are kind of made for you in that you are going to go to one of three essential hosp essentially hospital groups. And because of that, most of the plans offered are that PPO, that preferred provider uh, organization. In other areas of the country, you'll see plans pop up. It says HMO for health maintenance uh, organizations. So those tend to be a little cheaper when you look at the premiums compared to those the preferred provider options. The caveat is the networks are usually much smaller and also you have to coordinate everything usually through your primary care physician. And so sometimes with a PPO you can, you know, if you have uh, maybe an autoimmune disease or something and you have to go see specialists rather frequently, maybe annually for something, if you were on that HMO plan, you'd have to check in with your primary care physician every single time and get a referral for each visit. Whereas in the other plans, you'd have a lot more flexibility. The other big caveat is if you're big into traveling, health, ma health, ma health maintenance organizations are definitely gonna be more in your local area and you might have very restricted coverage out of your state. Again, hopefully nothing happens to you while you're you know, traveling or 
going somewhere to visit for Christmas like we were just a few couple weeks ago. But you travel every winter for the holiday season. It's flu season. And I can remember in my childhood, I got sick probably two or three times at Christmas. And we had to go visit the local urgent care down at my grandparents' house. Uh, So it's just something to think about as you have kids. If you travel frequently, if you have specialists, you know what your healthcare consumption is. Uh, It's really going to drive a lot of that decision. Yeah, the in-network, out-of-network, great point. And that applies to high-deductible plans, HMOs, PPOs. Like Typically, those are going to be more expensive. So yeah, you're going to have to look at the area. So locally in, in... Indianapolis Metro. Yeah, there's a number of different hospitals as well. Um, similar, like very well-funded, big organization. So there's not as many options the same way, but it is interesting to, to see that and, and understand it. I'm sure there's stuff on HSAs or any of these health insurance pieces that we're, we're missing that you might be asking more questions at. It's hard to say this is exactly what you need to do. And you start with, with number one and you go through step five and you're done because it is going to be very dependent on your situation uh, and kind of what is offered from different employers and are you married, do you have kids, like all these things. And it's just important to spend time with it, I guess, ultimately, is to try to educate yourself as much as you can on it. Anything else, Dan, on that kind of traditional side? No, I don't think so. I mean, feel free, everyone, to send us questions on at least that topic. But yeah, so what's the deal with these health sharing plans? Because I know they're popular now that costs are so high. Yeah, so I know a couple different people that are like 1099 contract employees. So they're not you know, paid through payroll. They don't get some of the benefits because it's more advantageous to the business that non-veterinarians from this standpoint. But I've seen uh, veterinarians that also don't have the, the healthcare provided through work and they're trying to figure out what's the best way to provide for their family. And so, or even, or even two, a relief vet, uh, someone yeah. who owns their own relief company. Yep. And so these health sharing plans, they are not health insurance. So it's important to understand that. And they'll tell you that on the website, but the two that I've been exposed to is one's the Christian health share and the other one's Liberty health share. And so Christian health share talks about it offers 100% of eligible bills, which you have to understand what eligible includes. Uh, and they've shared $4.5 billion in member healthcare costs. And it runs from you know $50 a month to $150 a month. And it can cover up to $125,000 per illness. So there, if you had something, again, catastrophic, it can be above that. And the idea of the sharing is it's pooling just like you think about insurance or anything else where... Everyone together is going to, you know, cover the costs of, of other people. And if the pool is not big enough and someone had a really bad incident, you, as a part of that sharing network, could have to write a check. And I know some people that have in these networks, something has happened and they've had to write, you know, a $50 check or something because the pool has to be big enough to cover. So it's important to understand them. They can be, it's certainly better than having nothing. They, they can be beneficial. I know someone that went out and we're going to talk about the marketplace here in a second, but the marketplace was quoting them at I think close to $500 and healthy individual wanted to have something that was a lot less expensive. And so he went with one of the the health share networks and was, you know, paying $150 a month. The other thing, they do have a catastrophic program, which is a little bit more additional cost, covers you up to a million if you feel like that makes sense as well. And then on the, there are some nuances between each of them. So on the Liberty health share, I want to share something real quick there they have an annual unshared amount. So basically think about it like that deductible. Like you have to cover this before that you get to dip into the, the pot. And so it's like $1,000 or something that's single. 
1750 for a couple, 2250 for a family, and then there are certain medical expenses that are shareable. And they have a big list. I'm not going to read them all because if you're interested, I'll have links. You can go click and find them. But it's interesting because the family costs range from about 529 to 479, um, single between 249 to 299, and it's up to a million dollars. So it's automatically a million dollars to the highest tier, and you could go lower, and it's 70% of that 125. Again, that's a mouthful. The idea behind the sharing agreements is again, it's not insurance, but it's basically just pulling a lot of people together that are struggling to find care or coverage and they're able to then work with each other. So obviously you need to make sure that they have a good base of people so that there's a lot of money in that pot already to, to share and that exposure. And last thing, real quick, uh, the one talked about what you cannot share because I think this is important. Pre-existing conditions during the first year of membership. Okay. Um, tier one through three prescriptions. Dental and vision is excluded. And then expenses other than accidents, acute illness, or injury within first 60 days of membership. So... There are exclusions. Again, it's not health insurance. It's going to be different. You need to make sure you understand what is covered and what is not covered. And there are going to be differences between them. These are just two that I've ran across and had people use. So I'm a little bit more familiar. There's certainly other options out there. That's great. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting offering just for, you know, I know they came, became pretty popular over the last probably five or seven years or so just as healthcare costs and premiums have been rising like crazy. Uh, I'll be interested to see just kind of how they age over the next few years because they have grown significantly. So it can be a pretty good solution for people, uh, especially when funds are tight. If you're, you know, like we said, a kind of a contract solo business person, but yeah, I mean, anything you can do to get kind of the, the basic covered. So, yeah. And a lot, a lot of the organizations also are faith-based, but it's not like a requirement that you have to share those beliefs. There's people I know that are other religions or, or beliefs that are able to join so you do not have to believe a certain way to have access to those pools but it is just something that they they offer because of the way that it's structured it has to be a faith base and that's a whole separate how they're able to structure it um but just just note that uh so we should we jump into the marketplace yes and i was asked about the marketplace recently and i do not have the expertise and i kind of uh passed them along to someone else because that just was so far out of my expertise and then when we chatted on this you were like oh yeah i've had some experience so i would love to learn from you on on what you've seen yeah so still by far like anything uh especially something as serious and important as health insurance if you're gonna be making decisions that are kind of for your whole family it does help to pit to talk to someone who is a professional at it and works with it all the time so that being said we uh at my financial planning firm we always reference uh a few health insurance brokers for you know questions and and things that we have there but you know so the marketplace is where you go to get insurance if you don't have coverage through your employer and so what it is it's the uh, healthcare.gov uh, so it's, uh, you know, the federally, uh, what was federally mandated insurance, you go to the website, you type in what state you're from, how many people are in your family, and then it tells you kind of how much it's going to cost, what companies are available, depending on what state you're in. So some of the really big states, because the, they obviously have a lot of, uh, healthcare costs because it's, you know, California, New York, Texas, some of them have their own websites. I know Isaiah, you're in Indiana. I'm in North Carolina. Those are just through healthcare.gov, uh, so they don't have their own separate website uh, for the exchange, as you've heard people reference it. A couple things to note as you're looking at health insurance, whether it's group coverage, 
the exchange, uh, on the marketplace, whatever it's called, there's usually a bronze, a silver, and a gold option for whatever type of plan you're going for. Bronze, just like the Olympics, third place, it's kind of usually the lower coverage, maybe, but it's also probably the cheapest. Silver is kind of the middle of the road, and then gold is kind of that Rolls Royce, that really nice policy, but it's also going to be very expensive. And so when you go on the marketplace, you're going to plug in you, maybe your spouse, if you have any dependents, so kids, uh, people that you're taking care of, your, your ages, um, plug it in, it'll spit out how much it's going to cost in your, in your state, giving you a bunch of options, like we said, with the preferred, preferred provider network, high deductible plans, low deductible plans, kind of all of the options. One thing I'll note, uh, so this is going to vary state by state. But again, because health insurance is so expensive, there is a subsidy available to families to take advantage of if their health insurance costs exceed a certain amount of their income. And so uh, what you'll see this on your tax return, so it's, it's a subsidy in the form of a tax credit, and it's called the premium tax credit for healthcare. And so uh, I had plugged in for Indiana, just because I think we have a good following in the middle of the country, for a family of four. So I plugged in, uh, let's say, a husband and wife. They're both 40. They have two kids. I said an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. How much is it going to cost for them to get a silver level plan? And then what subsidy is available? So the subsidy, again, is going to vary state by state. Uh, in California, I think if your household income is up, I think it's all the way up to 150000 a year, you can still qualify for a subsidy, uh, obviously just because it's a very high-income state. That's not the case in Indiana. It's not the case in North <laughs> Carolina. It's not the case in most places. So again, it's going to be dependent on where you live, but it comes down to whether or not you make less than after all of your deductions that you have, if your income is less than 400% of the, of the poverty line, and then how, how much you've paid in premiums ahead of the subsidy. And so uh, for that family of four that I mentioned, they would actually be able to get a tax credit of about $7,500 uh, for just paying for the middle of the road silver level plan in the state of Indiana. So they're going to have to pay out of pocket. So for the family of four, I think it was upwards of fourteen dollars or $15,000 for the year for that health insurance coverage on the marketplace. But when they file their taxes, they're gonna get seven of that back. And so, and it's a refundable credit. Uh, so that means even if you don't have any other, even if you don't have any taxable income to offset, you'll, that'll actually uh, go into a refund, meaning if you had only 5,000 of, of tax, taxes that you owed and you had a $7,500 credit, that means that extra 2500 is going to come to you in a check in terms of in the form of a refund. Um, so it's good to investigate these. Uh, some states have their own special credits available, uh, although they're pretty limited. Uh, but the marketplace, again, it, it, it really just means get on the website, start plugging in your numbers, kind of get a basis for what the cost is going to be. And then I would really recommend talking to a... Uh, health insurance broker that is very familiar with your state and if you can't find one there talk to a financial planner or an attorney and they will likely point you in the direction of someone that can help because it is again it is probably one of your top three expenses behind your mortgage 
and I would say it's probably the most important expense that you have. So again, there's probably hours we could talk on this subject, but yeah, take it seriously. And when you get on the exchange, there's gonna be a lot of numbers, but uh, do do as much research as possible. Yeah, that's a great overview and I appreciate you utilizing uh, the state of Indiana for, for those that are listening. Yeah, I think part of it is just go in and see what your options are across the board and, and make a decision that makes sense for, for you and your family, what you're trying to accomplish. And there's certainly gonna be trade-offs where sometimes there's more known costs and there can be some that are unknown. And you know, one year might make sense to do one, but hindsight's always 2020 and you'll never know. So you just wanna be prepared for any expenses that, that may arise and, and what you're on the hook for and what the insurance company will cover and, and have your back. So I, I think that's a, a great place to leave it unless you have anything else. I know it's a little longer of an episode and a little bit heavier, probably of a topic than, than typical, but I love the feedback. We love the feedback. Thank you so much for listening and we will be talking again to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. All comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is the founder of ID Financial Planning and Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. Dan Routh is employed by Old Peak Finance and is a registered investment advisor in the state of North Carolina. The biggest compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcast is predominantly the platform that is how people listen to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us an honest rating and review. That will help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information and insights and have the ability for your voice to be heard, join the private Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom section where it says about your host and click on the Facebook icon. Then I can let you join the group and would love to hear from you there. Thanks for listening and I'll be talking again to you soon.